This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates, national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. So why do you want to learn a new language? I'll tell you why. Because donde esta el baño can be a very important question at times. You know, Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. Fast track your language acquisition with immersive lessons designed to teach you to pick up languages in a natural way. I love the fact that I can go from my laptop to my phone to pretty much anywhere and learn the language of my choice. Not to mention I'm bringing my communication skills to new heights. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a limited time, Star Talk Radio listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash startalk. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash startalk today. Our universe is filled with secrets and mysteries leaving us with many questions to be answered. Now more than ever, we find ourselves searching for those answers as the very fabric of space, science, and society are converging. Here for the first time, these worlds collide as we give you the knowledge that breaks the barrier between what is science and what is merely pop culture. This, this, this is Star Talk. Now, here's your hosts, astrophysicist Dr. Neil deGrasse Tyson and comedian Lynn Coplitz. Star Talk. Welcome back to Star Talk. Indeed, I am your host, Neil deGrasse Tyson, astrophysicist. My day job is actually as director of the Hayden Planetarium in New York City. Today, my guest co-host, subbing for Lynn Coplitz, is comedian Leanne Lord. Leanne, welcome to Star Talk. Well, thank you, Neil. Thanks for having me. Leanne is a professional stand-up comedian. She's been on ABC's The View. She's occasionally called in to comment in foxnews.com. Yes, to- I, I'm, I'm the fair of fair and balanced, so... <laughs> You're not the balanced of the fair and balanced? <laughs> and you've got a blog that I've loved reading in VeryFunnyLady.com called you. The Comic Perspective. Yes. A one-letter shift from the cosmic perspective. Yes. Do you know this? Yes, I do. I was actually telling people when I was coming here today that sort of the comic and the cosmic perspectives were meeting. We, there you go. Yes. Well, today we want to talk about cosmic quackery, really. <gasps> <laughs> you've heard of medical quack. Yes, quack I have. Parts, right? Right? Well, yes, I have. They're actually versions of these folks who tell you things about the universe that's just simply not true. Things that they just they had they had hadn't, they didn't take physics 101 in school. Uh-oh. <laughs> like some other people who might be co-hosting today? Okay. You never had phys- <laughs> did you never have physics? I never had physics. Not and even in high school? Well, it was an option and I sort of 
avoided it. I'm so embarrassed to say that now. But, but no, no, no. I, I'm going to redeem myself. I'm going to the library. I'm getting physics for dummies, and I'm going to brush up. Okay. All right. Now, but I also, from previous conversations with you, I know that you're like a, a sci-fi buff. I'm a huge sci-fi So, fan. But that means you can't hang with like the real sort of- Can't hang. Geeks, geek set at the sci-fi convention. Dude, no, I, I, no. I'm queen of the geeks. Really? I go, and I, I am conversant in Star Trek, old and new. Ooh. I wear a Bajoran ear cuff. Oh, um, oh, oh, oh. Yeah. Excuse me? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Don't, please don't question my sci-fi credibility. All right, we'll, <laughs> we'll get back to that maybe. Uh, so interesting because the people, there are many people, for example, who are in denial of the advances of science. And one of my favorite quotes from Arthur C. Clarke, who'd be a champion of sci-fi Ooh, yes. community, is that any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. Yes. And so magic could be in our own technologies or even if aliens came in and it would just look like magic to you mm-hmm. if they had some... Some uh, some advanced uh, hardware or some ideas about how the universe works. Like I have Windows and Mac is magic to me. <laughs> yeah, I okay. <laughs> Bring that up later too. Sorry. Did you know we we hear from Bill Nye every every show? Did I, you know? I I love Bill. Really? I do. I do. Well, the way you're looking, that face you just put I'm, on. Yeah. I am so not giving you his his email because well, I, I, I. Listen, listen. I, I know there's a whole restraining order thing with me and Bill, and <laughs> I, I know if, he, if I could just talk to him for five minutes, oh, then we could get past good. it. <laughs> Let's see what he's got to say about this week's subject. Hey, Bill Nye, the science guy here. Last week, I was on television with a couple of guys who claimed that no one has ever been on the moon. The whole business was a hoax. When you hear something like that, it's your responsibility to decide if such a claim is reasonable. Landing on the moon seemed beyond our capabilities. Until you go out and look at the rockets and the records, pictures and warehouses full of documents, it's amazing but not impossible. These guys didn't want to think about it very much. Magicians seem to saw people in half. Same athletically built assistant night after night. Hmm. Astrologers claim the moment of your birth determines remarkable features of your personality, no matter place or economic circumstance, and there would only be 12 varieties of people. Huh. Astronomy demands so much of our ability to think. We determined that we live on a round planet with no space pictures to prove it. We discovered the Big Bang without hearing a sound. We figured out that 94% of everything is made of something we know nothing about. This is Bill Nye hoping this week's Star Talk gives you something remarkable to think about. That's my bill. Uh, No, that's actually my bill. There's songs people singing about somebody named Bill. Yes, if I remember was, correctly. wasn't that the fifth dimension? The fifth dimension. Wow, yeah. ding, 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 points for me. Oh, my goodness. So Bill is trying to set the mood here, and I, he's, he's right on. There are things that go on that we do in science that some people are in denial of, and there's science that people think they know well enough to then sort of co-opt it and then do sort of pseudoscientific things with that. And, and I'm assuming by your tone that that would be wrong. Well, I don't want to say – I don't want to value judge it. Well, oh no, dude! Value judge. Okay, value judge. okay it's wrong. It's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I don't mean wrong like it's morally wrong. It's wrong because it's uninformed. Okay, it's uneducated. It's in many cases, most cases, it's just plain ignorant. And now I always wondered. I have a good friend of mine is also a magician, a very, very famous magician, the, the amazing Randy. Ah. I don't know if you've heard of him. Amazing Randy. He's a professional magician as well as someone who's scientifically literate. And so you know what he does when someone makes a claim that's extraordinary mm-hmm. uh, with uh, pseudoscientific um, uh, uh, statements about how the world works? He goes and investigates what it is that they're doing. And so he's he, a detective as well. Yeah, right? yeah that's it. Okay. He's, yeah, yeah. He's, a, he, he's hustling. He, he's, his magic 
talents, magic talents, his talents at magic enable him to spot somebody else who might be using sleight of hand Mm -hmm. in whatever it is they're trying to perform. And so, but then I asked him, so what if people believe things that are just not true? You do performances in front of people that are not true. So what's the harm? Like, who cares? Maybe it's just entertainment. Let's see what the amazing Randy has to say about this. It's not all entertainment. That's the point. As a magician, I deceive people for purposes of entertainment. That's far, far different from deceiving them to cheat them or change their outlook on reality, which could easily be done if they begin to believe that what I'm doing on stage is genuine. An informed public serves us all, and I can't help but think as I see this nonsense being promoted that we're, we're inundated with these days in the media all over the place, that these people... Uh, They vote as I do. That's the problem, you see. The people that listen to this nonsense, they get the same vote that I get. And I'm not going to vote the way they will. Equal vote. That's right. That's right. But it's a free country. So what, again, so what? Why do you care? It's it's let them (laughs) think what they want. Why, why do you yeah, do but it, it's a public service, Neil. I must say, it's a public service. You see, I know things that they don't know. And what I try to do is not reveal the magician's tricks to them, but I try to reveal to them the fact that they can be fooled. Now, I often get academics saying to me, uh, after I do a public lecture at any place in the world, they, they come to me and they say, boy, you really taught us a lesson here. And it, it seems to me that these people who believe in all of this nonsense, the pseudoscience and the uh, the chicanery out there, they must be really stupid. Well, I take them aside, and what I'll do at that point, Neil, is I'll, I'll show them the damnedest card trick they've ever seen, and they rear back and say, oh, but that wasn't a trick, simply because they're scientists, and scientists are not the best people to judge these things. They believe they can't be fooled. Anyone with a Ph.D. after their name, I believe you do have <laughs> one, <laughs> at least one, uh, they often get convinced, I, I guess I know everything now, and no one's going to be able to fool me. And so when I show them something like a dazzling card trick that, that really blows them out of the water, they assume falsely that it can't be a trick because they know how tricks are done. No, they don't. So that's a bit of a kind of a hubris or an arrogance of their, of their academic position. Exactly, exactly. And they've got to get over that, really. So if they're ever called on to investigate somebody's um, uh, telekinesis or mind bend, spoon bending or whatever, then they ought to bring you because you're an expert in watching people fool other people, whereas a scientist has no such training or background. That's right. And uh, not necessarily me, of course. I'd be pretty busy under those circumstances. (laughs) But an experienced magician, and I I emphasize that, an experienced magician, a professional, someone who's been in it for a long time, because amateur magicians often think that they know everything, too, and they know how all the tricks are done, and they can be as easily fooled if they're not well-informed. So an experienced magician, and I've been called in on many cases like this all over the world, is very valuable. Just for the opinion. We're not being scientists, remember. I'm not making any presumptions that I have the, the degree that I should have as a scientist. No, not at all. I'm strictly an amateur when it comes to that, but I do have this specialized expertise. That's the amazing James Randi. Very amazing. Here on Star Talk. You're listening to Star Talk Radio. I'm your host, Neil deGrasse Tyson, and I'm joined by this weekend's visiting co-host Leanne Lord, Thank professional you. comedian. Leanne, welcome to Star Talk. If you have something to say, that you want to tell us, you can tweet us at Star Talk Radio, all one word, of course, or give us a call at one eight seven seven five Star Talk. 
if you have an opinion, a comment about pseudoscience, or you might maybe you're into some of this stuff and you want to tell us, and then if you if you dare, if you dare, <laughs> yes, because illusions are being dashed. And you know, there are a couple show. of cases here. There's, I'll give you an example, and some of it is just I think the the consequence of rampant science illiteracy. There was there was a court case a couple of decades ago where so there was someone who was going to be indicted because the the moon was in they claimed it was in a particular phase one night instead of another phase they brought in an astronomer to say well no it was a different phase rather than that and then the judge said well how did you know and there's this thing called the astronomical almanac mm-hmm. that gives all the phases of the moon he said here and then the judge threw out the evidence saying you can't know the phase of the moon any more than you can predict the weather that somebody didn't have physics one hundred and one and. Wow, that was a judge? A judge. People standing in judgment of whether somebody goes to jail or not. And so, this, is an, this is an educated person, you know, law someone, school. Someone who would claim they're educated. Okay. That's the problem. Okay. We have many people who say they're educated, believe they're educated, but they have these holes in their background and they don't know it. By the way, there's nothing wrong with ignorance. Ignorance has got a bad rap, but if you just happen to not know something, fine. You go learn about it or get in, bring in an educator, you know, plug that hole. But if you're ignorant and don't know it, that's dangerous. And, and well, no, no, no. Power? I, I, I don't think it's ignorant and not knowing it. It's ignorant and not wanting to change it. Oh, that's even worse. That, that, that's where the, the, the evil lies, I think. Yeah, that, that even worse. And I remember, you know, when I was a kid, uh, age 14, I remember this distinctly. You know, I already knew I was kind of interested in the universe. And there was a comet coming along uh, that was discovered way out in the solar system, farther away than comets are normally seen. So that meant by the time it gets close to the sun and the heat will evaporate the ices to make the long, beautiful tail, that would be a really beautiful comet. Mm. It was to come around Christmas time. Oh, nice. Uh, yes, it was. It was a beautiful. A present from the universe. A present from the universe. And it was called Comet Kahutek. And I was all ready for this. And by the way, <laughs> by the way, scores of comets are discovered every year. And not all of oh, them. This is, so this is not special. Well, it was special because it was like slightly brighter brighter than what the others okay. would have Fr- been. from further away, so therefore brighter. Yeah, you can see it from further away. So that means okay. by the time it got close, it'd be even brighter. Okay. Right? So there you go. And so I, there I'm walking down the street, and I saw grown-ups holding up, not everybody, of course, some grown-ups holding up a sign saying, repent, the end of the world is near, the comet will end Earth. And I'm thinking, what? I, and I, I, I was 14, and the little bit of physics I knew told me that this guy had no clue. No clue. And so I didn't understand. I was just trying to... So you could have t- helped this man if you had simply given him a physics book and going, no, dude, we're going to be okay. <laughs> we're going to be okay. Just read this book. We're fine. <laughs> well, some people don't want – some people like the, the end of the world. They're like that. Oh, yeah. The, the, the end of the world is a very sexy concept. I mean, there, there's a lot of money to be made there. I guess so. We have movies and everything. You know? so movies, it's, TVs, books, the whole deal. It's, it's – so I know there's, there's – it, it, I, I, my head was spinning after that, worried – what I'd have to confront by the time I was an adult living among them <laughs> at the, at the, <laughs> the time. The alien species that is adulthood. <laughs> We're going to take our first break. Uh, you're listening to Star Talk Radio. Give us a call at one eight seven seven five star talk or send us a tweet at Star Talk Radio. We'll be back in just a moment. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you, like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the US on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more... 
FedEx ground is faster to more locations than UPS ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Whether you're a family vacation traveler, business tripper, or long weekend adventurer, Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. And that's good, because there are a lot of me's. Choice Hotels has over 7,400 locations and 22 brands, including Comfort Hotels, Radisson Hotels, and Cambria Hotels. Get the best value for your money when you book with Choice Hotels. Cambria Hotels feature locally inspired hotel bars with specialty cocktails and downtown locations in the center of it all. Hey, that's me. Radisson Hotels have flexible workspaces to get the most of your business travel and on-site restaurants. That's me, too. And at Comfort Hotels, you'll enjoy free hot breakfast with fresh waffles, great pools for the entire family, and spacious rooms. Hey, that's me, too. I guess I'm just going to have to stay at all of them. Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. Book direct at choicehotels.com, where travel comes true. Hey, remember when we did that show about the science of the golf swing? Well, let's take that to the next level. And that's because PXG has developed the Black Ops Driver so golfers don't have to sacrifice distance for forgiveness. And the science proves it. PXG Black Ops Driver is a breakthrough in driver technology. It's a complete and total victory in golf club engineering, unlike anything you've ever seen before. Black Ops Drivers are adjustable to deliver a combined MOI of 10,000 plus for unreal forgiveness. Now that's ridiculously high. The higher the MOI, the more forgiving the club will play. So you don't have to square the ball perfectly for it to go straight and get distance. Add PXG's new advanced material face technology and you get incredible ball speed that pushes the distance to the absolute limits. More forgiveness, more distance, no sacrifices. PXG Black Ops Driver. Hit your tee shot straighter and farther. The proof is in the science. Learn more and get free shipping on all equipment. Go to pxg.com slash startalk and use code startalk at checkout. That's pxg.com slash startalk. Use code startalk for free shipping on all equipment. pxg.com slash startalk. Code startalk. Whether you're a space cadet or a rocket scientist. <laughs> We want to hear from you. The phone lines are open. Call now. This is Star Talk. Welcome back. I'm your host, Neil deGrasse Tyson, joined by my guest co-host, Leanne Lord. Hey. Leanne. I have a question for you. Yeah, what's that? We were uh, you were talking about comets, and I didn't just know that. Just before the break. Right, yeah. just before the break. I didn't know that comet that you mentioned, because I'm more familiar with the Hale-Bopp comet. Yeah, everybody saw that one in the 1990s. It was yeah, so yeah, bright. Yeah, I remember yeah. that. And I remember it simply because, you know, they died with outfits on, you know, the people who, that cult. Oh, the Heaven's Gate cult. Heaven's Gate yeah, cult. Yeah, so people yeah. Be doing, adults doing crazy things. Right. This is scary stuff. But now, how did those comets sort of uh, compare? Because you said this, the, the first one was really bright. The first one, people expected it to be very bright as bright as what Hale-Bopp turned out to be, but it, oh. it, it, it turned out that it wasn't that bright. Okay. It, it didn't have enough times around the sun. It was a very long period comet. And, and it, you got to come around the sun enough times to jiggle loose enough ice to evaporate it to give a very visible tail. And this was a very tight comet coming around. Okay, so, so lots of promo, no delivery. Yeah, yeah, kind of like today's little teeny bopper stars, <laughs> not really delivering yeah, on the promise. All talk and no tail. Okay, yeah. Woo! 
<laughs> Are we going there? Can we no. do that on Star Talk? I didn't know it was that kind of show. Right. And so the so Comet Hail Bop was one of the brightest comets in actually in recorded history. Mm-hmm. And there's this cult who believed that there was a spaceship behind the but behind the comet and that the end of the world was coming and they all put on that what I think they were wearing Nike's. They was were it? all wearing Nike's. That's embarrassing. It was. Know? And Adidas was very jealous. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so they were all wearing Nike's. They took some suicide potion. They were all dead. Mm-hmm. Just dead. Hauling the bodies out of the house. Uh, but we were, I know that could not have been on the East Coast. Because this is like sounds like a West Coast kind of thing. It really does. Yeah, no, no, I don't. We don't roll like that here. Well, we are, <laughs> we are live in Los Angeles and Washington D.C. The show is produced in New York City, and you can stream it live on StarTalkRadio.net. You know, there are a lot of people, the skeptics out there, who like professional. You know, you can. They're professional skeptics. Are they really? They get like paid to like be a skeptic. Now you you know how we get professional skeptics, don't you? No, huh? they go to Catholic school. Oh, is that? <laughs> You get skeptics in comics, which uh, explains why uh, I'm in my you, field. Did you did you come out of Catholic school? I, I yeah, I escaped. So you can only be a comedian after that. Is that what you're saying? Well, it's one of the forms of therapy to recover. <laughs> I can't afford to actually pay somebody, so this is it. You know, there's one thing. Uh, if someone has an idea, how do you know if they're saying the right thing and has scientifically informed? If you don't otherwise know your science, and somebody says something extraordinary. It's an interesting question for a skeptic. How do you expect someone to distinguish what is extraordinary fake from what is extraordinary real? And I asked Michael Shermer, who's editor of Skeptic Magazine. And a, and there's a, a magazine? There's a magazine, Skeptic <laughs> Magazine. But they're too skeptical to actually subscribe, uh, maybe? <laughs> I don't believe the skeptics will. Th- so there's actually, that's uh, principally, uh, that is produced on the West Coast. There's an East Coast Skeptics Magazine called the Skeptical Inquirer. So, but I think that West Coast has got the bigger job ahead of them, given what we know comes out of California and, Completely. and, and, the, and the Pacific Northwest. Let's see what Michael Shermer has to say. When I asked him, just how do you distinguish science from pseudoscience? Because he does this professionally. The way I do it is I have a certain confidence in the scientific community and the experts in that particular field. So I don't know much about string theory other than what I read in the popular uh, accounts of it. So I go to my friends at Caltech, like um, uh, Kip Thorne, and go, hey, Kip, what's the deal with this stuff? I mean, you know, you know more about this than I. And, and you know, what what do you and your colleagues think? Is there something to this? Is there not? And, and it's not that I have faith in Kip like a religious person would have faith in his pastor. I know that Kip Thorne and his colleagues at Caltech have a um, a peer review system where there's checks and balances and they keep track of each other because they know what the the science is, even if I don't. So you're even talking on the peer review system by yeah, and they have and they have a track record of debunking things. And I, I was encouraged by the the a couple of books last year uh, that were skeptical of string theory, going okay, that's enough. You guys don't have any empirical evidence yet. Let's uh, you know let's be a little more cautious here. And I thought okay, this is a good example of science uh, at work being skeptical. That you know you, you get a grace period for a while where you're just doing theory, uh, but at some point you know you got to have the facts uh, facts on the ground have to count for something. Right, so that grace period is where nobody really has data yet, but they're just massaging ideas to see what, what, what works and what doesn't. Yeah, I think that begins at science fiction and works its way up into uh, you know theoretical uh, physics. And then at some point, though, you have to have contact with reality <laughs> and that there's some empirical data. Now, good, another good example of this junk science is uh, cold fusion. You remember in 89 when Pons and Fleischmann held that famous press conference and everybody was very excited. Energy, too cheap to meet, it's going to save the world and all. It was very exciting. This but energy uh, fusion of atoms to make energy produced on a tabletop rather than in a big, expensive uh, particle machine. 
Yeah, yeah. what could be cooler? You know, you don't have to use the energy companies. You just have it in your house. Okay, right. great. But uh, within weeks, it was clear no one was able to replicate those experiments. So that was a nice example of science. See, science is skeptical. I mean, we're, we're skeptics. Scientists are skeptics. And you start with the null hypothesis that whatever it is you think is true isn't. Now, go ahead and try to prove otherwise. So you think you have cold fusion? Great. Where's your evidence? Show us. And, you know, show us exactly what you did so we can go back to our labs and do the same thing. And we do. And we don't get the same results. So, okay, there's something else going on here. All comes down to show me the evidence. Yeah. Now, I, I'm a, I have a question. Uh, I was under the impression that cold fusion was just a band from the 80s. Am I wrong on that? Or do, are there, is there more than one type of cold fusion? Was it a band? I, I have no memory of bands, any band from the 80s at all. Wow. Did you just sort of skip that decade? Or, or, yeah, I kind of did. I was in graduate school. And oh, you, oh, so you weren't here. I was you not plugged here. into this You were in an universe. alternate universe. Okay. Alternate universe. You missed a good decade. Man. <laughs> okay. You're listening to Star Talk Radio. Give us a call at one eight seven seven five star talk I'm here with my co-host, Leanne Lord. Leanne, you know, part of it, if it's about the evidence, this is what's, what's interesting. You know about the face on Mars? There's a whole face on Mars community out there who believes that Mars has evidence of there having been um, civilizations thriving on its surface. There's a community of people? A, that... whole, a whole vocal community of people. These and people it, don't have cable then? <laughs> it's all stuck. Maybe they I do did... have cable and they got the, the shows that don't know the difference. <laughs> and he, so here's what happened. In the 1970s, the Viking missions to Mars, there were two of them. One landed, one orbited. The orbiter took pictures of the Martian surface. And one of the mesas, because by the way, Mars has wonderful surface features. There are rivers and valleys and mount, river, dry river beds and valleys and craters and mountains and volcanoes and well, ravines. Until the developers get in and then <laughs> there'll be a Starbucks there. That's coming. Starbucks or McDonald's will be the first ones in, for sure. <laughs> so so it has all these interesting land features. And if you photograph the surface at different sun angles, you get shadows showing up on the surface that take on certain shapes and sizes and forms. In, those, in that first set of photos from the Martian surface, there was a mesa that looked like a face. A not, human face. A human face. Yeah, not a... What a coincidence. Not a turtle face. <laughs> not a, <laughs> not uh, a cat face. Yeah, not no. a, And so who is it that's looking at these pictures? Humans are looking at the pictures. Mm-hmm. So, so coincidentally. Yeah, so I, I wonder if we were lobsters, would we be looking for lobster faces? You know, I, so there's this, we want to see what it is that we're most familiar with, all right? That's one thing that drives us. But another thing is, there it was, it was a human face. Simeon is more appropriate to say. Simeon? Simeon is, because it's ape, it's an ape-like face. Oh, okay. I thought you meant a, the guy that sells me beef patties in my neighborhood. Oh, is, is Simeon. It, Simeon. It, it is. It actually is. I'm like, oh, sorry, Simeon. The, <laughs> these, these are Jamaican beef yes. patties? Oh, cool. I haven't had one of those in a while. Well, you, are you serious? Uh, no. oh. <laughs> me want to brought some beef patties for you. Oh, me know you ain't had none. Give me good. I'll bring some next time. We'll get you back. Yay! So, so that, by the way, that region of Mars is called the Cydonia region, and there's not only evidence for a face that in these first photos, but people notice what look like pyramids and other sort of structures okay. that would not have happened under natural causes. So here's what you do. You have to ask, if it's a face, it'll be in face, a face in any sun angle, because facial features look like a face no matter what angle of the rays of, of light that I put on your face. Okay. Otherwise, I could shift the light into another direction, and you'd look like a a slab or something, right? So it's a face today, all day, every day. If I come back next week, it'll be a face. Exactly. So the trick here is to come back to that region with a different sun angle and see if it looks like a face. Well, we did that. We And NASA did that. And? And didn't look like a face. But we found the region. We saw the, the raised ridges that would cast a shadow that would give you the impression that it was a face. So we got a better image under different sun, and the face went away. 
And, and so what happened was the face people said, well, we think that um, it was a face back then, but the civilization knew that we were looking. This is one variant on this. Knew that we were looking at them and that they and that they covered up the face. They covered up the evidence. The aliens covered up the face. Yeah. Yeah. This is what. So here's but wouldn't what these same aliens just come to Earth and take the memory of the face away from us. That's a good one. I'm just I'm Ooh. just trying to help the conspiracy people. <laughs> That's right. So if 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 I, I'm curious how our listeners view evidence, and because this is a it's an issue about how we move forward into the 21st century. What does evidence mean to you? And if you know what you believe in, no matter what, then does the absence of evidence matter to you at all as well? I'm I'm just curious about that. And you know the the. Wait, you know what it is, Leanne? It's pattern recognition. That's what it comes down to. What, do you, I don't, what do you mean? We're humans. We're trained, interestingly, to find patterns even if there isn't a pattern there. And our friend Michael Shermer is an expert at this. Ooh. So let's we'll see what he has to say yes. about pattern recognitions and why people's brains are, are wired in this peculiar way. Check them out. So why do people believe weird things? What, what's your take on that? Well, it's, uh, the, it, the deeper reason is because people have to believe things. That is, we're pattern-seeking primates, we connect the dots, we connect A to B and B to C, and often A really is connected to B and B really is connected to C, and that's called association learning. All animals do it. You know, you grow new neural connections when you learn something uh, repeatedly, and um, it's a good thing we're able to do that. That's that's how you know organisms survive, and 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 we're an organism. So it's also how you the problem, play the piano, I guess. You you just yeah, uh, or anything, and that's so. The problem is though we don't have a baloney detection kit built into our brain that says that's a true pattern, that's a false pattern, and here's how to tell the difference. It's very difficult, very tricky to tell the difference. So let's say you're a hominid on the plains of Africa, and you hear a rustle in the grass. Is that the wind, or is it a dangerous predator? Well, if you assume it's a dangerous predator and it turns out it's just the wind, you've made a, a type 1 error, false positive, but no harm. You just become more cautious. You move away. You sort of glance over there. You've actually numbered uh, but, the but, errors? You actually numbered but, the but nothing, errors? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> type but let, 1 but error? Let's, <laughs> Yeah. But let's say let's say you, you you think the rustle in the grass is just the wind. And it turns out it's a dangerous predator. Well, that makes you lunch, and so you're now taken out of the gene pool. And so I'm arguing there's a natural selection for always assuming the patterns are real. The rustles in the grass are always dangerous predators and not just the wind. And so we've evolved this sort of natural tendency toward magical thinking, superstition. Just wait, assume wait, wait, wait. all. Wait, wait, wait. But if it's if I think it's wind. That could be real also, because it might be the wind. That's right, yeah. So, That's so. right, and there's, there's no harm in that. The harm is not, not realizing it could be a predator. Yeah, That's but, where but the you're, what you're saying, though, begins. is that it's better for me to think the worst of the patterns that I make than, just to, think, than to have just innocent thoughts about the patterns at all. That that's right, and there's a selection for that, and not only that, but that the that the pattern is not only real, but also infused with intentional agency. That is, there's there's some power, there's some force, some spirit behind it. Why do you need and that? And that's, ma that's magical thinking. Well, because uh, when I mentioned the the phrase dangerous predator, that implies that the predator has intention, and the intention is to eat me. So that means uh, that there's an intentional agent there. And that's the basis of the belief in ghosts and spirits and gods and, and aliens and conspiracy theories and 
you know, if you think about what aliens are always like, they're always like these these uh, super secret, fast, powerful, invisible agents, you know, coming down from on high to save us or, or destroy us. And and really, that's that's kind of the basis of uh, polytheism and animism and the belief in ghosts and and uh, you know angels and things like that. So you've got it all. Uh, that's what our uh, that's what our brains are. Unfortunately, our brains are designed to do that. And the best tool to tell the difference between true and false patterns is science. It's, but it's only a couple hundred years old, and our brains are millions of years old. So, guess guess what wins out? It's the it's the superstition. So this is an uphill battle that you may never win. I have job security as the publisher of Skeptic Magazine. We're never going to run out of topics. <laughs> There'll always be a new generation to believe weird things. That was Michael Shermer. That was great. Pro- professional skeptic. Did I did I hear you imply in that interview that thinking positively is going to get us killed? We should yeah. just <laughs> think negatively all the time and we'll be fine. I think that comes that's I think I did imply that, didn't wow. I? Wow. Yeah. So don't worry be happy is the is not what we need. Yeah, the people <laughs> They're not here anymore. <laughs> Those skipping through the grass saying, don't worry, be happy, that's just wind. And those who think it's a tiger are not eaten by the tiger. Yeah. So, And there are people who try to you know, go to the end of the world with scenarios. You know, the whole field of numerology is a oh, people who try to see meaning in numbers. When numbers are just stuff we invented to account for the real world. Numbers aren't magic? No, not in the least. See, I was an English major. Once again, numbers are Yeah, numbers are, are not magic. numbers. Pythagoras. Remember Pythagoras? Pythagoras? Remember Pythagoras? I used to hang out with a guy. No, I'm sorry. No. I <laughs> totally made patties didn't. for you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, let me, uh, you're, you're listening to Star Talk Radio. You can give us a call at one eight seven seven five star talk I'm your host, Neil deGrasse Tyson, astrophysicist, with my guest co-host today... Leanne Lord. Leanne, Leanne Lord. Welcome. Welcome. So, Pythagoras, we all, you should remember him. I remember The Pythagorean theorem. Yes. Yeah, okay. Whether or not you remember what it was. No, I can't remember what it was. I'll you, be honest. Yeah, there you go. All right. But you got Pythagorean theorem. I remember the Pythagorean he theorem. He was a pioneer of numerology. He would see, like, it would be like six stones on the pathway, and there'd be like six people standing next to them. He, he'd think there was some mystical connection between the number six in that case. And so numbers was, it was an attempt to get meaning out of nature just by the manipulation of numbers. And it's, you got to start somewhere. I'm not even faulting him. Okay. But it's a method of learning and knowing that has been so long discredited that it's astonishing that even today that we have people who invest entire life's energies in them. But it, it, it seems kind of cool. There's an entire Jewish sect that that that's all they oh, do. That, well, no, that's the Kabbalah. The Kabbalah, that's right. That's Ma- what they do. They right. assigned uh, numerals to the Hebrew characters right. of the uh, uh, you know of, of the Torah and they manipulate add them, subtract them, multiply, divide. Here's the problem. There's so many ways to combine numbers, so many ways. Add, subtract, divide, multiply, and times three, times four, divide by two. two. Carry the two. Don't forget to carry <laughs> the two. two. You got it. There's so many ways that that you can find meaning in almost anything you look for because you extract it. You know what it's like? It's like, have you ever done archery or if you if you shoot arrows? In the hood all the time. <laughs> yeah. That's how I get a seat on the bus. I come get on with my crossbow. You never went to camp? All right. I went to camp. camp. Excuse me. <laughs> At camp, you have an arc. And so if you shoot arrows in the side of a barn, no one does it, but try it one day. Oh, yeah. And then try to aim for the same spot on the barn. Shoot all your arrows. Then afterwards, go back and draw a bullseye where most of your arrows hit. And then say, look how good an aim I have. That's what numerologists do. And, you're, and, and that's wrong? That would be wrong. Now, wait. <laughs> that now, would be wrong is, to do. Is, the, is Kabbalah that thing that Madonna is doing? Is I, that... have, I, have, I can't keep up with Madonna. Well, I, I don't know what she's doing. Okay, I, I, I'm sorry. I, I'm, uh, where did you read about Madonna? 
it's just sort of out there in the universe. I mean, oh, it's, it's okay, like not my pop, part of the universe. It's, no, it's Sorry. one of those pop culture things that you absorb. Like, hey, Madonna's doing Kabbalah. Oh, I guess I should too. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, now, speaking of numerology, just last night I Netflix knowing the movie. <gasps> I saw that. I, okay, that's okay. an interesting film. Yeah, Look, that's numerology. That's that's like he's not manipulating the numbers. The numbers actually the real, numbers are already there. The numbers are real data about yes. real phenomena. Yes. So that one, it smelled a little like numerology at the mm-hmm. beginning. And you remember his counterpart, astrophysicist, was saying, look, there are these numbers that look like they're nothing here. Yeah, they're, yeah. You're just extracting the numbers that fit something that you're trying to find. He's drawn, drawn the bullseye mm-hmm. around where the hits are. Then he found out all the numbers have meaning. So bada bing, you got some, you got some clairvoyant folks among you. Run with it. Roll with it. Go so, for it. So, so you're flip-flopping, though. No, I'm not. No, Dude, but... you just totally flip-flopped. No. You said you can't just look at the numbers and extract meaning, and you put them together, you can find anything. But no, but in this case, no, the it, numbers did mean something. No, because if he had a whole sheet of numbers and found six digits that matched a disaster in the real world and say, all these numbers mean something, no. He drew a bullseye around those six digits. But every numeral on that page had meaning. Had actual meaning without having to manipulate. He didn't have to de- carry the two on no, anything. No, no, he didn't. Sheet. But he did have to find the pattern. He had and, found the, the, which, because the, which was apparently was pretty easy. <laughs> well, I don't know how easy it was. Well, he was drinking wine all through. Yes, yeah, and then it the turns film. to scotch. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the point is, he at the end of that, there's like the end of the world. I don't want to give away the movie. I just did, but but right. and it, so the end of the world is an interesting <laughs> state of mind. Spoiler alert! I'm late. Sorry. <laughs> After the fact, so Michael Shermer, our our, our skeptic. Uh, had, I asked him about apocalyptic scenarios. Why do they keep coming up? Why does everybody want the world to end? Let's see. Let's let's see what he tells us. There you have a combination of that that patternicity, the, the, the connecting the dots and finding meaningful patterns and random noise, and you have something else there that um, there's this whole idea of a of a dr- huge dramatic change. Either it's going to be a return to the good old days, you know, sort of like the Renaissance, the return to the you know the, the ancient Greeks or something like that, or there's going to be this catastrophic destruction and a starting completely over. And so it's not just that the right does this with religious apocalyptic scenarios. The left does this as well with environmental apocalyptic scenarios. And 2012 kind of combines them all. It has, you know, gods and, and God and angels and and uh, and the destruction of the environment and colliding planets. I mean, did, did 2012 see, is like the mother of all disaster Did you see the, the, the movie trailers for for 2012 oh, it, it oh, also had aliens by the way so you got it yeah roll in some yeah aliens we, we got it. it all it's gonna be it's gonna be we're gonna milk this thing believe me with our with skeptic <laughs> magazine we have we have three more years of just you know hammering this thing out because it won't go away you know there's there's gonna be a hundred documentaries and films and books and magazines but and, doesn't this mean and that- then of course and then of course nothing will happen uh so in 2013 we can all go okay so here we are <laughs> now what you're back on Star Talk Radio. That was Michael Shermer, editor of Skeptic Magazine, based in Los Angeles, and just telling us about the penchant, the human penchant for thinking disaster is impending. It's very sexy. <laughs> I don't know why it's sexy. I think it's pretty. It's, it's scary. You know. You, you know what it is. It's 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 one of my favorite quotes by uh, Voltaire that any fool can survive a crisis. It's the day to day living that wears you out. Oh, that's interesting. And the crisis is ah. It's exciting and it's sexy and it's big, but you know, I'm trying sorry, to. I was not up on my Voltaire reading. Oh, I'm sorry. This I'm sorry. It's it's basic comedy reading, <laughs> uh, quite frankly. And uh, you know, this thing about 2012. You know, I'm I'm averaging now 10 
or so emails a week, and it's up from five last year. People worried that the Are world people was going to end. I mean, yeah. okay, wait, but the world was going to end. What was it? Uh, oh, yeah. in two thousand. Every de- every decade, there, there's an end of the world. Yeah. And you would think we'd wise up. Yeah, yeah I think you think, but <laughs> people forget. So it's the, like it's back. The world was going to end in two thousand. The world was going to end in nineteen ninety one because the sun was going to fall off its axis. The world was going to end in nineteen eighty two because it was a planetary alignment. The wow. world was going to end in nineteen seventy three because of the comet Kohutek. So so now this decade needs its own end of the world. So every generation or a generation or half generation gets something. I think so. I actually I got married uh, because of the last one. My husband proposed to me when? December 31st, 1999. I think maybe he thought it wouldn't go through. Really? I swear to God, I don't know. He was worried. He said, I better get this one done right here. Yeah, now. right here right now. And then, you know, the next day we were still here and he's like, uh okay. <laughs> and you said too late. I yeah. got the ring. We're jumping the broom. There we go. <laughs> We got a caller. Uh, we got Al from Los Angeles. Uh, Al, you on the line? Hi, Neil. How are you? Hi, you're live on Star Talk Radio. Welcome. You got yeah, a question? I, I know that. Now, first, I want to say that my friends and I agree that you're the smartest guy in physics. Period. Oh well, thank you. So I'm I, not, I, but I, thank you anyway. <laughs> well, I take my chances. They're talking about ignorance mm-hmm. and more in relation to science and how. Many, or most of us, are ignorant of science. And, you know, I look at scientists, and I can say that if you take them out of their realm, they probably, too, will show a basic ignorance with respect to certain aspects of other fields. Oh, no no doubt about it. No doubt about it. Go on. Let me give you an example. When you brought up the incident decades ago with respect to the defense that the moon was in a particular orbit, consequence was a triggering factor in this guy's behavior, and had a uh, scientist who was testifying, and the judge asked him, how does he know? He said, it's in the book. Well, in law, there are rules of evidence. If you just introduce the book, it's hearsay. Uh, In order to be uh, admitted into evidence, there's certain rules that we have to follow. So maybe the lawyer who was involved in this wasn't familiar enough with the rules of evidence in order to to, to question or to present his evidence in a way that conformed to the rules of evidence. Now, typically... Okay. Well, here, a- wait, wait, wait. So here's one of my concerns, though. You, you make an interesting point. The courts have their own rules. Science has its rules. I- I'll give you that. But one of my concerns is what we know in science. For example, and this, this shows up with, like, for example, UFO sightings. The, the, and it's a whole separate show we're going to do on that. But the, it has to do with... In science, the lowest form of evidence you can introduce to a conversation is eyewitness testimony. Yet, in the court of law, that seems to be such high form of evidence, and that scares me greatly because we all know... Well, that's changing. That's changing. Uh, Oh, it's changing. Very nice. There have been numerous studies which have showed the the, the problems with eyewitness uh, identification, especially when you're talking about members of different races trying to ID members of other races. And as a consequence, there's a substantial controversy that is going on now within the intellectual legal circle with respect to that, just as with fingerprinting, believe it or not. But we've, we've not known this. We've known that, yeah, but we've known this, this problem in science. We've known this data problem with eyewitness testimony like for, for centuries. I'm just wondering why it took the legal folks so long to, to, to pick it up. The law changes. It's an evolution within the law. And, and before the law, before it is accepted that something represents the truth, i.e., as we know it, it has to first have an acceptance uh, within your 
community, that is the scientific community, of such certainty that we find its reliability to a certitude. Now, you, you, Practically you, to a certitude. You sound a lot like a lawyer yourself. Am I, am, am I accurate in that assumption? Yes, you are. Oh, busted. No. Wow. <laughs> and did you do that with some sort of psychic ability? No, yeah. <laughs> oh, by the way, I don't know who you had on your program last week, the uh, comedian. But I swear she sounded just like Paula Poundstone. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, no, it was not. It was not Paula Poundstone. But call it. Thanks, thanks for checking in. And I'm heartened to learn that there's evolution not only uh, in, in science, but in legal professions as well. So thanks for thanks for your call. So that means yeah. someday lawyers will be human? Is that Ooh, what I am understanding? <laughs> the lawyer jokes are no end. In I had profession. to take the shot. You, that was a cheap shot. I'm cause... sorry, Al. It's not for you. I just had to go for the shot. <laughs> so, you know, it's funny. So this Mayan calendar is related to the 2012 apocalypse prediction. So, I mean, that's what it's based on. Well, they based... started it because the Mayan calendar ends its cycle in the year 2012. And so there are people who believe that the Mayans had deep insight into the 21st century. These are Mayans from a thousand years ago, and who, they, who are no longer here. They're no longer <laughs> here. <laughs> okay, I'm just checking. Okay, so their calendar was to predict the end of the world. It's claimed by others that it predicted the end of the world in 2012. That's that's was that claim. But of mm. course, they're not around anymore. Right, so. so we can't really ask. Hey, Mayans, is this what you had in now, mind? No, Bill Nye has an idea about. The, have you seen the Mayan calendar? It's like packed with content. <laughs> and B- B- Bill Nye said it ended in 2012 because like they ran out of rock. You know, <laughs> somebody had to go get another stone. Yeah, and that's probably why it did end. So <laughs> it's, like, it's not my turn to get the stone. You get the stone. Forget it. No, we're not writing on the stone anymore. I'm not doing it. <laughs> you know, this it's so much we make of things that might have just have very simple. Uh, causes and effects. It's like the life of Brian, the gourd or the shoe. Do you know that movie? I'd uh, forgotten that scene. Right, no. it, it, it's it, it, they're following the, uh, who they believe is Jesus, and uh-huh. he drops a gourd, and someone picks up the gourd and goes, "This is what it means. It's the gourd." And they say, "No, no, no. Jesus dropped the shoe. No, it's the shoe." Oh, okay. So you get the divergent people of this is what I'm going to follow. That's what I'm going to follow. The gourd, yeah, it's yeah, a simple thing. The gourd be- or the shoe. It, it means nothing. Entire whole oh, branches. Yeah. We're gonna, we're gonna That's take another a, show. I'm we're, sorry. We're going to take a break. We, you're listening to Star Talk Radio. I'm here with my guest co-host, Leanne Lord, professional comedian. Uh, you can call us at one eight seven seven five star talk or send us a tweet at StarTalkRadio.net. See you in a minute. Do you want to set up your child for success? Of course you do. Maybe you want to save money on private tutoring, or maybe it's just out of your budget altogether. Is this a big school year for your child? Like maybe they're starting kindergarten, middle school, or high school, or some other milestone. Maybe your family moved and they're starting at a new school. Is your child ahead? Not getting challenged enough in class? Well, we love that little smarty, but we want them to be engaged. IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids covering math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid, no matter the age or the personality. There's one site for all the kids in your home pre-K to 12th grade. Kids can use it at home on the computer or on the go through the app on your phone or your tablet. No more grading those worksheets. IXL grades everything itself. And no more trying to figure out how to explain math equations or grammar rules yourself. IXL has built-in explanation videos. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. 
Excel is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And Star Talk Radio listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com slash Star Talk. Visit IXL.com slash Star Talk to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers. But you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, Use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Bringing space and science down to earth. You're listening to Star Talk. Welcome back to Star Talk Radio. I'm your host, Neil deGrasse Tyson, astrophysicist, with my guest co-host, Leanne Lord, comedian. Hello, Leanne. Hello, Neil. You know, I... Our subject today is pseudoscience and how people's minds can misthink things because they don't know enough science to not misthink it. So right. in many cases, it's really just science illiteracy, just the same way you can have literary, literary illiteracy, you right. can have science illiteracy. And I think everybody just have, should have physics 101 just coming out of the box. That's really what wow, you're Wow, start them out fresh in kindergarten. Okay, no ABCs, no 1, 2, 3s. We're doing physics. What? <laughs> Do I get snack at a nap? No, we're doing physics 101 because Neil said so. I think that's what you need. And otherwise you're susceptible to being taken advantage of. But, and that, but that makes you a better consumer. Ooh, ooh, <laughs> those are, <laughs> whoa. Yeah, it's a little sinister. It is sinister, and I have to agree. You're, you're, you're parted with your money really fast. And so people in school who say, I will never need to know this as they're learning it in their science class or mm-hmm. their math class, you do. Yeah. If you want to stay protected from chicanery that's out there. So James Randi, the amazing James Randi, the magician, we heard from him earlier in this hour, uh, he, 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 I asked him about pseudoscientific beliefs and and why do people believe one thing and not another and and is there anything that's no longer with us that is still here? Let's see what James Randi uh, tells us about this. You'd think that something like phrenology, which is reading the bumps on a person's head to tell their character, you might think that that's a, that's a bygone thing. Uh, a good part of our library here is a, is a huge collection of books on phrenology in many different languages that was given to us as a gift. And it's sort of a, a sad little corner of the library, but it's a mass of, of nonsense that people wasted more intellect and time and trouble on trying to study how you could tell from the bumps on a person's head, what their character was, whether they were criminal or whatever. And I've seen many, many more books than I have in this library on the same subject. Now, you might think that that would be dead, but no, it's making a comeback. Mm. Now, the, the, the Forest Time Shoe Company, some years ago, they started to sell Magnaforce shoes. I remember The Magnaforce shoes, yes. They, they had little magnets, uh, little magnets at the, the toe and the insole and at the heel of the shoe. And they cost about $35 a pair more because they had these little magnets. Now, if you ever wanted to find a paper clip, all you have to do is go to the sole of your foot. It was very handy for that. <laughs> but it was, supposed to, it was supposed to, according to the advertising, 
that they published with it, it was supposed to help your blood circulate. When it got to your feet, it rushed it back up to your head. Now, don't ask me how that's supposed to happen. But there is iron in blood, you see, so there's a logical connection, a whole, whole, whole. But the Magnaforce shoes were discontinued when they sold the company back to the original founder of it, and he canceled them out immediately. And that was a, a move forward, I would say. But can you imagine actually selling shoes with magnets in them because they'll help your blood? Well, they're people that they're magnetic uh, necklaces for that make the same claim. That... For the same purpose, exactly. Mm-hmm. I was hoping you might come up with that because we've all seen that, haven't we? Right. The, 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 the Quanta Ray bra- uh, bracelet, for example, that has magnets in it, it doesn't make a, a darn bit of difference where you put magnets. It, it's going to help you pick up paper clips, but that's the only thing. James Randi. <laughs> wow, I, I I don't like Randi. Why? Because <laughs> I magnets. I have the bracelet, man. You bought a magnetic bracelet. I did. Why? Well, I hurt my elbow. I do martial arts because comedy is really a uh, very scary business. Now you tell me this because now I'm like, okay. I'm <laughs> but I, I, long story short, I hurt my elbow and uh-huh. it was really painful. And you know, short of going to the doctor, I was trying things. You know, the Ben Gay, everything. I mm-hmm. said, oh, a, b- a magnetic bracelet. It says it'll help. It says healing on the package. Where can I go wrong? Yeah, yeah. I bought it. I put it on. Eventually, I did feel better. But I, I honestly could never tell you if it really was. So what you have to do next time is hurt both elbows and then put the bracelet on one, and then you can do the experiment so I can the have right a con- way. I can have a control elbow, is what you're saying? <laughs> exactly, control elbow. I think I'm going to subcontract that out because <laughs> I'm, I'm a wuss when it comes to pain. <laughs> because what happens is you're, you go into deep pain, and the human body heals you all by itself more often than not. And so when you're in deepest pain and you're looking for a solution, whatever you did at the time you had deepest pain, you end up crediting that for getting better when you would have gotten better in most cases all by yourself. So if I had had a rum and Coke, I would have said, hey, it's the rum and Coke. I, the, especially the rum part, especially I'm sure. Especially the rum. <laughs> there, are other, Coke. there are other things like astrology. People you know, believe that the universe affects them. By the way, I've never met a kid who's into astrology. It's only when people's social lives get more complex do they start thinking that the universe is affecting their lives. It's the hormones. You you, you need something oh. to help you manage your hormones. Is that right? Yeah. Oh, it's, okay. Because yeah. hormones to me is almost like a mental illness. You know, you're you're doing fine in childhood, and then all of a sudden the hormones say it's like ah, how do I manage? So do you know your sign? I I do. I'm a Virgo. Virgo, yes. which is supposed to mean that the sun was moving through the constellation Virgo when you were born. But, okay. But in fact, it wasn't. It, it wasn't. No, no. It it, it was two thousand years ago, but not now. Because Earth processes on its Earth procession is like the science way to describe wobble. So Earth wobbles on its axis, like a weeble, just like exactly like a weeble, except we're also spinning. Whereas the we're weeble, wobbling and weeble. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even say it. <laughs> Weebles wobbled without spinning. We spin and wobble at the same time. Wow, we're that coordinated. We're as a drunken planet little Earth. planet. <laughs> and so uh, it, the fact that we wobble. 2,000 years ago was about one-twelfth of the total period of our wobble, which is 26,000 years. And if you're one-twelfth around, the sun actually was shifted into a different constellation now. So it's the sign before Virgo that corresponds with your birth sign right now. Okay. But they don't tell you I, that in the, in the books. They don't tell you that. They okay. leave that one out. I got to be honest. I missed all the numbers because all I'm hearing is that I'm not a Virgo. I'm a Leo. I know nothing about being a Leo. You've been reading the wrong horoscope the whole time. But it's so me. <laughs> they don't tell. Actually, the, the professional horoscope people tell you that the old style stuff worked just as, as it needs to. So I'm just saying. I'm just. So uh, it, anyhow. You're killing me, Neil. The you're people killing who, me. Who, uh, it's, it's an excuse to not take full control of your life. And it's, it's, I, I think it's 
it concerns me as an educator that this is rampant among us. Well, can't can't we have some illusions in our lives? But I mean, not, I mean you don't know, you I, want the real world to react to rather than the elusive? I'm world? I'm not saying I want the entire world to be you know one big illusion, but some, some. I'd like I'd like to. Read I my would like you to have some skepticism. Oh, wait, I, I'm from New York. Don't be completely skeptical. Oh, no, of course not. But not be too gullible. You okay. got to be just right. So like like New York is really skeptical, and maybe California is. Too gullible, and we meet in the middle, per- which is in Kansas. You, we can't meet in Kansas. <laughs> okay, so that yeah, that I'm gonna, I'm going to come back and work on that example because maybe that's not the best. Let's one. check out Michael Shermer. He's going to uh, bring us to the end here. With uh, uh, I asked him about skepticism and gullibility. Is it possible to be too much of either? Let's see what he has to say. I think we have the capacity to be good critical thinkers. The rub is in, you know, keeping an open mind so that you don't miss exciting new ideas, but not so open-minded that your brains fall out. That's the rub. And, uh, you know, Sagan used to make this point, he made the point beautifully in Demon Haunted World, his last book there, uh, that, um, you know, there's a, a very delicate balance there. Because if you are if you are too skeptical, then you're going to miss some really exciting, revolutionary new, new ideas. You don't want to be too skeptical. But on the other hand, most of us tend to be too gullible. So better to err on the side of caution, but keep a, keep a little bit of an open mind. So really the, the goal for all of us, but you especially, because you're at the top of the hill here, is to train people what measure of skepticism they should invoke. That's leaving right. open the possibility of ideas and phenomenon that no one has ever experienced before. That's right. Yep. Well, that, that's well, fair enough. Well said. That's fair enough. So, Michael Shermer, thanks for being on Star Talk. What's your latest book? Uh, the latest book is The Mind of the Market, which is basically why people believe weird things about money, <laughs> which so, is very appropriate these days. <laughs> so you don't, So all subjects are a fair game to you. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Not, not, you know, not to pseudoscience, but, man, we tackle religion and politics and economics, the whole thing. Why not? And, and we're going to tap you big time for 2012 when the world ends. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> all right, Mike, thanks for being on Star Talk. Uh, you're welcome. Thanks for all having right. me. So, Leanne, we got a tweet, someone concerned about whether scientists are into pseudoscience as well. Wow. This is a tweet asked, given the postulated inaccuracies of the standard model of particle physics, do you think <laughs> our science research will be considered pseudoscience? Worried that the, the, the frontier of physics mm-hmm. is such an extreme spot in terms of so distant from experiment that maybe it's just all pseudoscience. I've on occasion called it sort of a new mythology um, because if you don't have if you don't have experiments to back up your claim, go home and come back when you do. Until then, I, there's not much of a conversation we can have. So, uh, but so so you're so the person who came in for, from the Tweet Nation is actually correct then. On on some levels, yes. Okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you've got on some level the scientist has to be honest and say, look, I'm just making this stuff up, and I don't have data to show it. <laughs> You just got to trust me, dude. You just got to trust just me. Trust me on this one. So, But it's on the frontier, and as long as everybody knows it, it's the only game in town. And by the way, like I said, ignorance is not bad. It, it's just if you're arrogant with your ignorance, that's the problem, because then you're sp- spreading it and making other people ignorant alongside you. Like a virus. Leanne, thanks for being on the show. Yeah, thank you. You've been, you've been listening to Star Talk Radio. You've been, when my guest host has been Leanne Lord, Yay. stand-up comedian. Thanks for, thanks for being on. Star Talk Radio has been funded by the National Science Foundation. We'll see you next week. The Living Room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. 
But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate, pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.